Blog Talk Radio.
We praise you, Lord God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for showing me and allowing me to be able to share with others uh, a little bit about uh, renewing uh, the renewing of your mind and, and, and how the Ecclesiastes 118 pressures and sadness and apocalyptic woes of the world can overtake you. Even this is, uh, as we know, Father, is a warning in your scripture uh, where we're told not to allow ourselves to become over overcome with drunkenness and such in the days that we're in right now because of the, the, the just the gravity and the magnitude of the darkness. And Father, I just thank you for the revelation that you have given me. I pray that in Jesus' name that you will continue to, to uh, empower me and strengthen me in my walk, that I'll be able to give good testimony and help other people deal with uh, similar uh, dynamics in their lives as we progress deeper and deeper into the darker times that we know that we have ahead of us. Father, I just praise you for all of the changes in my life. I pray that you are changing other people and that they are uh, maybe maybe just a few. Uh, I'd love it if it was a whole bunch, um, uh, you know, that we're able to touch them maybe uh, in a special way, a different way than what they're able to be touched through the typical preachers and the teachers that are out there on the Internet and, and share, you know, uh, in an intimate human level, uh, the challenges of uh, applied Christianity and making things work. Uh, the way that, 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 you know, and having evidence of it, to bear, have it bear fruit and, and be able to give testimony, good testimony of, of the results, uh, even if it takes years for you to find your way through that, that, that labyrinthine challenging, uh, you know, dynamics that occur as the devil's throwing watermelons in our bowling alleys. Father, we just praise you and thank you for the days that we're in right now. We praise you for the progression that we're seeing, for 
further into the end times. We thank you that Obama is still in the obviously, obviously still a major player in the political arena, the global political arena. And I also praise you, Father, for the um, the movie that uh, I, uh, by coincidence, happened to watch today that uh, troubled me greatly and uh, and for good reason. And um, and I just praise you for that too because I'm going to share that with folks. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to do the program, Father. I praise you for the back to back weeks of travel that I have on May 19th and May, the week of May 9th and the week of May 16th. Uh, even though we're going to lose two Wednesday shows that with those uh, both of those weeks, uh, I just praise you for them, Father, because it gave me an opportunity to give testimony tonight um, uh, about choosing happier uh, and 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 also the rewards that came with it uh, for the first time in five years. Um, and I just want to share that with people. And I, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand on holy ground. I thank you uh, once again for the opportunity to be able to, to help other people see the dynamics that are happening in my life. Not always, I, I, by no stretch, of the, uh, Father, I don't mean this to sound in any way uh, puffed up or in any way like I have, you know, I have found the secret sauce. It is not like that at all. It is a journey. It is challenging. But I just wanted to give you all the praise and glory. And I wanted to say, Jesus, we praise you. We, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, because that's just how they were raised and, and it gives them joy in their heart. Um, they, they like to say, he is risen. And they want to hear somebody say back to them, he is risen indeed. And Father, I just want to thank you for uh, those of us who are, you know, listeners of this program, those of us who make Jesus a major part, if not the uh, the only part of our lives as much, you know, yeah, yeah, we're going to work. Yeah, we grab a shovel now and then. But, uh, you know, you're always Lord Jesus. You are always on the forefront of our heart. We are always saying, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Even no matter what we're going through, and and even though this is a special day, even though uh, Passage is a very important, uh, if not one of the single most important, uh, you know, times to celebrate on, uh, you know, uh, th- throughout all of Hebrew history in Israel and and in, in Christianity as well, Father, we just want to, you know, we want to say thank you because I think that many of us have been brought to a place where uh, the old traditions of, you know, he is risen, he is risen indeed, is no longer really that big of a deal to us because we live that life 24 by 7, 365 days a year. We know you're risen. We praise your holy name, and we thank you for this opportunity. If it gives other people a chance to be able to share in fellowship and give them joy in their heart, we praise you for that, Father. We thank you uh, for for the this this period of, of the, uh, of, of the uh, in, entire year of uh, opportunities to be able to celebrate you, Jesus, but we should be celebrating you every single day. Every single day. And and really, if there's any way possible, uh, maybe even set ourselves an hourly alarm on our phones or whatever to stop, drop, and pray. Thank you for helping us to understand a little bit better what it means to reside in the secret place of the Most High. We praise your name and thank you. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of you, Father God, which could only be in the throne room with exceeding joy. And you, Father, we praise you for you alone are wise. You are alone are our Savior. You are alone are awesome. We praise your holy name. We thank you for being endlessly, eternally merciful. Praise you for your grace even when we don't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it, your grace somehow managed to find its way through the 
darkness that we've allowed to circle encircle us, and we just the gratitude that should be gushing from our hearts when we look back on our lives should not be something we can put into words. We praise your name. Father, we really, really do. And we pray that we are able to stand before you with exceeding joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Watch and pray For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you home It's time for you to look around The signs I gave for coming down Don't be called a sleeping blind You don't want to be left Come and be home. 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 All right. Praise God. I love Terry Hill programs, and I know a lot of people do. Praise Jesus. We all need to have an encouraging word, and that is definitely a gift that she has been given by God. And to use the the uh, the types and shadows and the stories of the Old Testament and the New uh, blended together to help us uh, come to an, uh, you know, a, a very encouraging understanding of where we are in our walk. Um, you know, this is not – the thing that's so wonderful about Terry is that she knows, you know, heaven and hell. She gets it. She's met in person. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, the fellow that does 23 minutes in hell and it, for some reason, his name is slipping my mind right now. But anyway, um, she knows him in person, met him in person, all that. And um, anyway, praise Jesus, you know, but yet she can see past the things that the devil will use against us uh, and uh, and focuses on the things that are encouraging and uses the scripture to give us the stories and the anecdotes that are necessary uh, for us to be able to embrace it and make it a part of our lives, which is very important for the days that we're in right now. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, kids, are you ready? No, I'm not going to get, oh, I know you're always ready. All I have to do is say, kids, are you ready? And you start cheering right away. It's like, kids, kids, are you, are you ready to go out in the backyard and pick up all the dog poop? (laughs) Now those are some good, those are some kids with some Jesus positive attitudes, which I'm going to speak about a little bit tonight. Not that I'm an expert at it, believe me. (laughs) 
like, I'm just like, um, I don't know what you want to call it. I, I don't even know what I am. I, I'm, but I did, I don't know. I was, I'll just share. Okay. Rather than analyzing why it is that I might be able to share, I'll share and it might help somebody. And that's why I do this. I don't do this. This program isn't about, you know, as everybody knows, I don't take ties and offerings. I don't take, you know, the PayPal button that's on tribulation-now.org goes straight over to Pipes International. I don't even know if it still works. Uh, I got to test it again. But um, anyway, and then um, for anybody who got a link in the email communication or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and the link is broken, that's because uh, me as a hammerhead that I am went in and made a slight change, and all it takes is a period or a space, uh, in the title of the program and did not think that that would dork up the link and it did. So anyway, I just sent out a new link to everybody on Facebook and Twitter and blah, 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 blah. And, and the emails and everything have been sent out, of course, at the very last minute. Cause, but at least I, you know, was sister Vera did a wonderful thing and let me know that it wasn't working. I did not know. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now I want to share with you, uh, and again, this is that whole concept of applied Christianity and there's nobody as dorked up in the head as me, uh, that is more qualified. Okay. To talk about these sorts of things, mostly, likely i i seriously doubt because uh, you know i would be i don't know i'm sort of like in a way i'm sort of like a forrest gump really and when it comes to applied christianity it's like you know uh you know once in a while you give me the football and i'll run all the way for a td and i'm like yay but you know i'm gumping my way along through life <laughs> you know not always hitting that home run if you know what i mean praise god so uh, i think that does kind of help me to be able to look back on my life and also the trials and tribulations and troubles and the difficulties and the Beatings and uh, physical beatings, as well as, you know, continuous. I still, even to this day, have um, people that I've been praying for and praying for forgiveness for, uh, you know, come after me. And, and I'm like, yeah, but it's all right. I just I smile it away. I really do. Uh, and um, let me just share with you a couple of things. It, this is a real world testimony that is relevant uh, within the last mm, seven days. All right, but I really didn't know how to articulate it on the program in a Jesus-y sort of way, right? I want to be able to align it with the scriptures to apply it to maybe your life so that you can say, wait a minute, now that's a pretty good idea. Now, I, I got some feedback that was very positive from a handful of folks that, you know, was about, you know, the, you know the, the, the scientific fact that if a human being smiles, that it triggers, I don't know if it's endorphins or what it is, but dopamine, who knows, but it triggers uh, the chemicals in, in our body uh, to stimulate the brain and causes the brain to go into kind of like a forced happy state. Now, you know, of course, I, I don't like fake happy. Fake happy to me seems like kind of a lie, but um, when you are Fake happy to me would be like where you feel like you're obligated to be smiling and Jesus and happy go lucky Jesus happy Jesus 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 but you you know but it, it, you know deep down inside you it's not really how you're doing it you're kind of like putting on a fake version. What I'm talking about is just recognizing the simple fact that God created our bodies, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, and et cetera, uh, in such a way that when the musculature – see, your face is full. A lot of people don't know this, but the human body's head is full of more concentrated nerves. Uh, now, the bottom of your feet are full of nerves too, but nothing like the face. The face is, scares doctors. The Operating on anything in the face, operating on anything around your jaws, uh, taking doing a 
biopsy on a lump on your neck, all that kind of stuff. It, you know, and dentists. Oh my gosh, that no wonder they they get paid like that because you, folks, you don't know. You know, we go in and think, oh, they're going to do a tooth cleaning and this, that, and the other thing and sell me a crown, but in reality, they deal with uh, things that are exceedingly dangerous because a lot of people don't realize that. For example, if you yank a molar out of the top part of your jaw. It can do what's called piercing the sinus veil. There's actually a very thin layer of skin that is covering over where the two, you know, posts or roots, you know, the roots from your molars go deep into your jaw. Okay, they're seated in there, blah, 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 and all that. Okay, and when they pull one of those, something really, really, really super duper, unbelievably, horribly bad can happen. And that would be where they accidentally pierce a hole into your sinus cavity in let me tell you something, folks. If that happens to you, it is not going to be a good day. You think you were in pain before? You ain't seen nothing yet. All right. So uh, anyway, and that that's all full of nerves. Uh, and the reason why I bring all this up is because those nerves are all connected to your brain. Uh, you know, it takes like one tenth of the energy to smile than it does to frown. But yet somehow we're programmed in our DNA to be we naturally go to the negative on everything. Okay, No matter what it is, if, if, if it isn't part of what we planned our day to be. If, if, if something goes awry, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. Don't move my cheese. Put my cheese where it is. I want that cheese to be down the hall, to the right, three doors down every single morning. Don't move my cheese. All right. And, 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 and so when somebody does move your cheese or something doesn't go with the way that you or whatever, or even worse, you know, it's a series of dynamics that are like, kind of like you visualize them in your brain as the worst case scenario. Oh, that's the worst case. I hope I never have to do that. Well, you know, if that's the way that you're looking at things, that's the, actually the natural fleshy way. The Bible's term is flesh. Flesh is simply a metaphorical word to describe anything that has to do with your normal, natural humanness. Okay? All right. So, you know, and so what do you see all over the Bible? That the flesh is essentially repulsive to God. Why do you think it says in Psalm 51? King David says, and in sin, my sin is always before me, and in sin my mother conceived me. What was King David's mother like, this really mean, sinful hooker or something? No, it's because the flesh and the very existence in the flesh to God is not a good thing. We're, you know, we're, it, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into a big, long explanation of our pre-existence and predestination and all the other things that go along with that. But we're supposed to be avoiding the flesh. We're supposed to be Right now, transcending – oh, by the way, this is right in line with uh, Terry Hill's message tonight. Um, we're supposed to be transcending the flesh. We're supposed to be becoming the light beings, part of the Godhead. You know, we are no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And if Christ lives in you and he is part of the Godhead and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, then guess what? You're part of the Godhead. This is not complicated, but if you were a normal church pastor and you were standing up in front of an audience or, or, or a congregation or whatever, they'd all be groaning and going, man, he's lost his mind. Let's get out of here. We'll go to the other church down the road. Because people have the, you know, don't have the capacity to think. It's like talking to a bag of wet sand. 
So anyway, um, and it, you know, I ha- praise Jesus through this radio show. We've been doing it since the very beginning. Is we tackle the complicated subjects because I don't care. Okay, I serve God. It doesn't matter to me whether somebody likes me or likes what I say or agrees with me or not. And I have plenty of people that have come back three, four years later and said, "Oh my gosh, I thought you were a raving lunatic, and you, I found out uh, like a year ago. It finally hit me. You were everything you were saying is true." Well, I already know that before I'm going on the program, and I do recognize there's a margin of error. That's why I'm always ready to eat crow. Right, kids? I'm always ready to eat crow. I mean, you guys are looking pretty yummy right now. Oh, to deal with my travel. Sometimes when you're in a hotel, nowadays hotels are just awful to have to deal with and really especially bad. And uh, so I found I, I found this really cool it's – it's, um, it's a spoon and a fork, but they – fit inside of a credit card, a, a credit card size holder. So, of course, you want things to be lightweight and small so that you can travel as light as you can. But anyway, nothing is like, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to get room service or to have somebody deliver something to your room because you don't want to go down and deal with, you know, the world, then, um, uh, you know, uh, there, you know, you're, oh, finally your food comes. Finally, it's arrived, and thank God they have remembered to bring some ice water with them, because otherwise you have to get completely dressed and go down. No, well, first you got to call the front desk because you don't know where the ice machines are, and heaven forbid that they should put an ice machine on every floor like they used to. They don't anymore because they're cutting back to try to survive, which means that you're lucky if in a seven-story building that they have one ice machine, and you got to go on a mission to go get that ice. And if you're tired and you got jet lag and you're over 60 like me, let me tell you something. <laughs> I would have thought I would ever be on this program saying I was over 60. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, no, man, it's not a good thing. I'm just going to say it as simple and as straightforward as can be. It's not a good thing. And by the way, if I was speaking out of the flesh, uh, those would not be my choice of words. They would be far more colorful, I assure you. Now, anyway, um, that being said, praise God. Um, uh, to, 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 I just thought it was so cool when I found that that because that, let me tell you, a lot of times you finally get the knock on the door, your food has arrived, you go through your bag, you're like, oh thank goodness, you know, it's been a hell day, it's, it's been a hell day, it's been a hell day, and then you finally you go through and you got there's no you don't there's not a fork, there's no way to eat your salad, you can't you can't drink. You, what are you going to do? There have been times, literally, because I was so tired and there was no way I was going to get dressed and go down, you know, 16 stories on the elevator that moves so slow that you could run up the stairs two times faster than it can. And then, you know, and then you go down to the front desk and you tell them and they're like, um, oh, well, we don't have any silverware. That's after you got dressed at 1130 in the evening and went through all that trouble to go down there. Okay, so I've had it up to here with all that noise. So um, I was very, very happy to get my little miniature, super lightweight, uh, credit card sized um, uh, spoon and fork because you got to have that. Okay, you just believe me, you got to have that. All right. Thank you, Jesus. And yes, you don't have any water. You don't have any ice. It's everything. And if they do have room service, thank you, Jesus, because at least you can ask room service to give you a pitcher of ice water, which I love. All right. Praise God, because I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to, you know, and I have there many, many times. I can't even tell you how many times, probably about six times, which isn't a lot, really, when you consider the amount of times I've traveled. But it isn't a lot of fun to just like go, oh, no, I don't have a spoon. I don't have a fork. 
So you take your soup and you suck it out of the bowl like a Neanderthal. You eat your salad with your fingers. <laughs> and you grab your, you know, eight-ounce ribeye in your hand and you eat it like a Cro-Magnon man because you don't have a choice. You can just you can go down to the front desk if you want to and have a lot of fun having them tell you uh, that, well, we don't have any. You're going to have to buy this over here, and I think it comes with a small plastic spoon. Oh, okay, no problem. I'll eat my eight-ounce ribeye with a small plastic spoon. Thank you very much. I'm really glad I came down here. And by the way, be blessed in Jesus' name. All right, hallelujah. So I wanted to share this with you again. This has to do with um, me and my cognitive behavioral therapy because I really, truly believe – uh, and have believed this for quite some time and know as a fact now because I've seen it happen in my life testimonially and experientially. And I'm, if I'm making up those words, then so be it. But anyway, um, when, you, when you get a confirmation from the Lord, when you experience something, when something happens that's way out of line, when you know it's God, then that, that, that's something to embrace. Now you hit the jackpot. Now you got to pr- put it into practice. Now you really got to work extra hard to make sure you maintain it. As best as you can. Doesn't mean that you're not going to slip and fall. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have a really bad day. Doesn't mean that, that Satan won't get his opportunity to, to just overwhelm you to the point that your thermometer breaks. What are you talking about? Thermometer breaks. I'm going to explain to you. I've been hunting in my heart for an analogy that would make sense over the Ecclesiastes 118 problem and our experience on the earth right now. Okay? Because we're now, we're, we are now experiencing a version of planet Earth that clearly is unlike any other time. I'm not saying that there weren't other really super ultra-dark, violent times on the Earth, because there certainly were. Okay, but what I'm saying is what what we have today, you know, for example, when the Bogomils were living as, you know, happy, good Christians in their, you know, effort of cloister-like communities, um, uh, you know, unless you know, Pope Innocent's mercenaries were riding in there to chop them into pieces. They were having a really good life. They were given and taking in marriage, having children, worshiping Jesus and being good Christians. And it was just, you know, fellowship everywhere. Wonderful stuff. We don't have that today. Doesn't exist in any form. Okay. Period. I don't care how much you like your church. You go ahead and like your church all you want, but I'm here to tell you that it is not what the Bogomils had. All right. Now, <clears throat> now all that being said, um, how do you deal with the Ecclesiastes 118 problem? So first, thought, first and foremost, just in case somebody new is listening to the program or, or somebody that hasn't heard this scripture recently, I'm going to say it right now. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, quote, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So if we are part of the very rare few of the hopeful members of the bride of Jesus Christ, then we would uh, be we would take heed how we hear Luke eight verse seventeen to eighteen for nothing is secret will not be revealed nothing is hidden that will not be known or come to pass or come to light therefore take heed how you hear don't hear with bias. Oh, my mom's mom and dad's dad and grandfather's grandfather was a pre-trib rapture person, so I just know that I know that I know that we're not going to be on earth for any hard times. Take heed how you hear. 
Because it warns you. Jesus warns you. He says, because if you're not, if you're not hearing right, I'm going to take. A, I'm going to completely blow your mind, and you're going to be totally befuddled. E.g., let me hold that up as an example. Pre-trib rapture people. Wait until they see what's going to happen. They're going to be like, I shouldn't be on the earth right now. It will hurt their faith, and it will hurt it real bad. <clears throat> anyway. So I'm, and I'm just using him as an example. I'm not picking on him. I used to be one, um, and uh, you know the Lord showed me stuff. Praise Jesus. So let's talk about this. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So if we are taking heed how we hear, then we are always increase, increasing our understanding and our wisdom. We always assume that there's a margin of error in our understanding, and we are always ready to receive a new mystery, even though we might feel inclined to reject it at first. Oh, that's something that the Mormons believe. Therefore, it must be satanic. Well, where are you going to hide? If you're saint in himself, where are you going to hide the most glorious mysteries of the entire Bible? You're going to give them to a group that the whole world is like, you know, hey, they're they're of the devil. They're of the devil. You know, when I was at my sister's church at Christmas time. Even though it cost me a fortune arm and a leg for a seven hundred sixty-eight dollar rental car, which I will never do again. I don't know how. What? I don't know. I'm just, I just told my sisters. I said, look, you know, unless the rental car prices come back, <laughs> it's not going to come. But anyway, um, <clears throat> the one preacher, I will, oh, I will hand it to him. I, I, the one thing that he did say. Now, of course, he was your typical preacher, and everybody just loves this guy. He jumps around on a stage and just gets, he gets people pumped. And, of course, they just adore that. Yay! I'd rather have let Leonard Ravenhill myself put the fear of God in me. All right. Well, anyway, praise Jesus. So, But but he, he told everybody that he was going over to a Seventh-day Adventist church. And then he was like, ooh, you know, he's up in front of the entire congregation. There's probably a couple hundred people there, which is a pretty good-sized church. And um, uh, uh, and and he's like, you know, hey, you know, the way I look at it, I don't judge any uh, – I, I, it's not my business to judge. If I got a chance to preach, I'm going to preach. I don't care where it is. You know, and I'm like thinking to myself – the very idea that that had to be said at all was kind of really kind of sad because the Seventh-day Adventists, except for the Seventh-day part, they got everything else down really well. Oh, they're under the law. Oh, Jiminy Crickets, get over it for crying out loud. What, how, you're once saved, always saved. You're out there telling everybody that they're going to go to heaven no matter what they do. I'd rather be under the law. <laughs> anyway, but they're not under the law. They're just, you know, believe that because of what Jesus said in the one scripture. Uh, I'm not going to get into that preaching, but um, I've done it before. Uh, but it's just, you know, they're, they're in the, the whole seven day thing. So what? Let them do it. Romans 14 exonerates them there. If they want to do the seventh day, let them do the seventh day. Leave them alone. Don't pick on them. Don't categorize them. Don't judge them. You know, but Satan will take mysteries of the Bible. And he will make them part of the doctrine and the understanding and the stuff in the written text of the doctrine of cult-like unusual sorts of denominations so that the rest of Christianity runs away. Oh, that's of the devil. Oh, that's what the Mormons believe. It's ingenious. It's absolutely ingenious. What else is ingenious? The New Age. The New Age is absolutely ingenious. It is the greatest lie the devil has ever created. It is so true. The things that they believe, 
transitioning into other vibrations and increasing your vibrations so that you move into another dimension and, you know, on all that stuff. It's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, their biggest problem is they've demoted Jesus. And they think the fallen angelic beings are part of their friends and family plan. And they can't wait to ascend, you know, up with the other ascended masters who they clump Jesus in. But that is unfortunately a eight-lane freeway directly to hell. But it's an ingenious thing because it, it – it, 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 and of course, there's other things they do that are wrong because there's rules. And they don't have any rules. They can, you can do anything. Everybody's accepted. It's kind of like the normal, everyday, evangelical Christian church that's once saved, always saved. We love you all. We hate to sin, but you can come with your pink, purple, polka-dotted hair and your earrings and strange tattoos and all that kind of stuff. And you can believe things that you should not believe and behave in ways that you should not behave because Jesus forgives you. But the Bible doesn't reflect that. You know, uh, the Bible actually says that when people are doing naughty things and behaving in naughty ways in the congregation, need to be counseled it three times, gently and in love, and not in front of other people. Don't embarrass them. And if they don't respond and, you know, fix things, they're not allowed to come back. That's what the Bible says. This is all in First and Second Timothy and Titus and all that. That's where you you know get the behaviors of the the you know the gathering of the church. Praise God. All right, so I want to get back to this whole concept of the thermometer because this is a great analogy. Now, I don't want to run out of time. <clears throat> okay, so I've been telling people you know I I've chosen to be happier you know and uh, I and I also referenced the book Choosing Happier, uh, and I like it. I love it. I'm on my second read of it. If I read a book two times, that speaks volumes because I got a lot of books queued up. All right, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. So. But this is also reflective of Psalm 78:41. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you want to limit God in your life? Then constantly let things bother you. Constantly get upset about things. Constantly get frustrated. Constantly be like the Israelites did. The Israelites, think about it. God gives them manna. Shortly after they start eating the manna, they get sick of the manna, and they're like complaining, oh, not manna again. And God's like, you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. So that limits God. It limits what God is able to do in your life. Now, and I've talked many times testimonially or in various capacities. You know, you're praying for your, your son, Jack, and you want Jack to, to receive Jesus. Okay, and you're praying, 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 and yeah, you've been six months into it, and you see no, no sign of changes in Jack. So then you start to get frustrated over it, and you you're, you're, you start to complain to the Lord or whatever, and you're upset in your heart, and you're like, "Did you see what Jack did?" Now you're not telling, you're not saying that to the Lord, but you might be saying it to your husband or to your aunt or whatever the case is. Jack is just behaving like a, just a like some kind of a, you know, degenerate, and I've been praying for him for six months. Well, see what you're doing is you're canceling out your blessing. The only thing you're allowed to do is praise God for saving Jack's soul. Blessed is he who believes and has not seen, Jesus said to Thomas. So what does it mean when you don't? When you speak forth, you spoke it forth. You spoke negativity into the whole situation. 
You became an Israelite, complaining in the desert. You are now living in God, and you are allowing the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, both day and night, to accuse you of having no faith. And you're dooming Jack. Oops. That's a bad thing to do. All right. <clears throat> now, what about this Ecclesiastes 118 thing? And where is the analogy that the Lord gave me? And I'm going to share this with you. This was just prior to the show. I was having a conversation with one of one of the uh, one of my friends. Anyway, here's here's the analogy. We are like thermometers. Okay, we are like a thermometer. When the thermometer hits 100 degrees, it's at the tippity top of the thermometer. I'm talking about an old-fashioned alcohol thermometer that has the red alcohol-colored liquid in it that climbs up the little increments. But when it hits 100 in this analogy, you freak. And you limit God. You shift gears into an unthankful, un you've lost your gratitude. You're not praising God anymore. You're mad. You want to whip a glass at the wall. You've had all you can take. Where's my baseball bat? You've had it. You are now limiting God. God's ability to do something good for you, which you probably had queued up already, it's gone. You're not going to get the blessing. You're done. You've got to start over. So I've been struggling, why am I, why is this battle that I've been going through for the last five years, to some, you know, it was really, really bad when I went through the uh, SRADID demonic attack thing. That's what, what kicked it off. Then there was a second attack, and then there was the witch covens attacking. Then I had to fight it, uh, that whole thing off, and la, 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 la. and it just, it just lingers on and keeps on, you know. But I, I was getting better, and but I kept. And it was back and forth, and it's still roller coastery. And um, it hit me. And it actually, the analogy is, it's awesome. It, it helps me. And if it helps me, it'll help one of you. So how can we live in a place where we are part of the Ecclesiastes 118 dynamic, which where we're awake, we're aware, we know what's happening, we know there are Nazis everywhere, we know that the Fourth Reich is being instituted, we know that the FEMA death camps are all over the world, we know that um, the Homeland Security and the naming of Homeland Security in the United States of Babylon the Great was no mistake, we know that Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum is a, is the chief Nazi, but he's still taking uh, you know his uh, you know orders from the House of Windsor and the Black Pope at the Vatican. Etc. and the, the board of directors of the global satanic crime syndicate, which Saint, Satan sits at, okay, with all these shape-shifting reptilians, these Nakash, these uh, Draco things. All right, so anyway, we, we get it, all right? We see what's happening around the world. We see that we're being continuously lied to. We can't trust anything, and we have no fellowship. We have no fellowship. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is a worst-case scenario. There's an old saying. It says, a problem shared is a problem halved. Well, we don't have anybody to share it with. There's nobody to share it with. And if you try to set up a forum on the Internet and get everybody a tribulation now to go in, it, sooner or later, the devil will tear it apart. He'll send people there that will start fights over the names of God. Oh, well, you're not calling him Yah. You're going to hell. I had to close down. We had hundreds of people that were part of uh, the Tribulation Now forum on the Internet um, years and years and years ago. And I had people tell me that, that you're going to fail. It's not going to work. You'll see Christians will rip each other's eyes out. <laughs> it lasted probably about six weeks. We had many moderators, too. All right, so anyway, and eventually I just said, you know what? This is causing more grief, more fighting, more – get rid of it. Cut it down. Shut it up. And we just deleted the whole thing and walked away. That's just how it is. Now, the thermometer. 
Ecclesiastes 1.18. When you are awake and aware of all the things, all the negativity and all the end time stuff that is happening across the world, you know, uh, post-birth, you know, uh, abortion stuff and all that, that's just absolutely horrific, you know, the Nazi thing all over, and all that, all that stuff. And you're also very aware of the stuff that's been prophesied, prophecies, dreams, visions, especially those that line up with the Bible. And you know what's coming on top of it all. I would submit that the appropriate way to analogize that against the thermometer analogy is that we're all sitting at about 75 degrees. Okay, so we're humming it. Most Christians, when you're ignorant, ignorance is bliss, and you're the happiest person in the world, right? Ignorance is bliss, you're the happiest person in the world. So your thermometer is going to be running around 20 degrees at the most. And that's probably going to be caused by some job frustrations or something that your kids said to you. Because you're clueless, which is pretty much, I'm not going to name any names, and I'm not going to name any organizations, but a lot of them are flashing in front of my eyes right now. But anyway, 75, So, but when we are who we are, who we are, the listeners of this program, we're, we're probably idling around 75 degrees, which means we only have a, <clears throat> a headspace, if you will. Um, we only got a, uh, grace, a space of grace between 75 and 100. By the time we hit 100, we've got our Louisville slugger out, and we're looking for a tree to bash. <laughs> take down hopefully a tree right anyway so um you know we we don't want to get there because when we get to the hundred and we get pushed over and we're you know and we're not praising god thank you jesus hallelujah <clears throat> which is where we need to reside in the secret secret place in the most high we are limiting god so if you're constantly getting your thermometer pushed up to a hundred and you're just like and it can be in your heart you don't have to like throw rocks at school buses, you know, or whatever. It doesn't have to manifest on the outside. It can be inside your heart. It could just be in your heart. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't want to let that thermometer hit 100. Well, we're at a great disadvantage, folks, because it, our Ecclesiastes 118 problem puts our thermometer idling at about 75 degrees, which means you only got 25 degrees to spare. So you can't let the mundane, normal, everyday stuff of your life, which Satan is going to attack with all his might. He's going to take everything else. He knows that you know about all the other stuff. And he doesn't like that you know about all that other stuff because you are a danger to him, not only in your prayer life, but in your witnessing life. So he already hates your guts. You're on the very tippity top of his most wanted list right away. So he's, he knows about that 25% trip point, and he doesn't want God to be able to bless you. So he's going to go after your job. He's going to go after your kids. He's going to go after your car. He's going to break your refrigerator when you have no money left at the end of the month. He's going to go after your landlord. You're going to be paying $400 more a month in rent. He's going to do everything that he can to trip you over because he does not want you to get the answers to your prayers. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Well, when we only got 25 degrees left on our thermometers, we don't – that's tough. That is really hard. You know, you're sitting there at 75 all the time. What are you going to do? We all have our weaknesses. 
We all have the things that, that Satan's going to attack us with, whatever it is. You can, you can take your pick. I could sit here and give you testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of people that I know all over the world, and they each have something that the Satan is using in their lives to make them mad, to trip them up, to, to send them into some sort of a state of depression or whatever the case is where they become ineffective and God is limited in their life. Now, that's why the Lord led me to reading that book, Choosing Happier, which is a it was it's an unbeliever book. It's not written about you know. There's also other ones, Dale Carnegie. I mentioned them before, but I, but the one that I'm reading a second time right now is Choosing Happier, and it talks about the smile and all that, which is true. That's that is physiologically a fact. God designed us that way. Now, here is my testimony. So, I realized I'm. To, you know, just moments ago, you know, before the show started, I realized I'm sitting at about 75 degrees on my thermometer all day long, just because of you know having to report the apocalyptic things that are happening around the world, being aware that the world is being taken over by Nazis, that it's not just limited to the Ukraine and the Azov Battalion. Okay, realizing that it's everywhere. And that we really are instituting right now, as we speak, that global reset and the formation and the realization of the Fourth Reich. Death camps, all that kind of stuff. Gestapo showing at your we, – we saw all this. We saw Trudeau, Canada, all these things, knocking on your doors, taking uh, preachers, you know, kicking and screaming out of their uh, uh, churches. You, know, you, saw, you, you see where I'm heading with this? Don't even get me going on the BLM stuff and all that other weirdness and, you know, and the woke weird – and it's just, it, it never ends. It, it just keeps getting worse. All right, so that all adds to the temperature gauge in your thermometer. You may not be aware of it. You may not even feel it at all, but it's there. It's there. It really is. So then that means Satan doesn't have to do as much to push your thermometer up to 100 so that in your heart or whatever – you are now tempting God and limiting the Holy One of Israel. Now I'm going to give you a testimony. So I just, I'm reading this Choosing Happier book, and I'm putting the things into, you know, I'm making it happen. I got myself, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, everything to me is Jesus. I don't care. Oh, that's of the new age. You shouldn't do that. You know, and I'm like, yeah, get away from me. Shoo, shoo. You don't know your Bible. You don't know what you're talking about. Satan has no original ideas, and you're just gullible as a box of thumbtacks. And I, I don't have time for that. All right. So anyway, I have my, I have, I, I, I knew it would help me remember to praise God. So I got this little gratitude stone. It's got the word gratitude. It's a shiny stone and it's got the word gratitude engraved in it. And I keep it right by my laptop all day long. And boy, when something starts to frustrate me, I grab that stone, put it in my hand. My head comes down, stop, stop, drop and pray. And I start to praise God, uh, you know, and, and thank him. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you for my job. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Because I don't want to get hoodwinked by Satan, who's trying to make my thermometer pop. And like I said, you can be a smiley little old lady, but your thermometer can still pop, even if you don't say anything about it. You might walk around looking all old lady-like, but it doesn't mean your thermometer didn't pop. So, and again and again, they tempted God. You've got to stop it. You've got to get a grip on it. How do you do that? You've got to renew your mind. 
See, we always read the Bible and we say, well, that's supernatural, and that's going to happen because God's going to give it to me, and God, 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 and God, and God controls every little thing. He controls every little movement of every antenna on every ant on the entire earth. Well, guess what? You are wrong. That is not how it works. He knows the beginning from the end. Look, if, if our father micromanaged every little thing, then Solomon would never have apostatized. Case closed. And don't even get me going on 1 Kings 22, 19, 20, 21. Because if you don't have those scriptures embedded in your heart, then you won't get anything I'm talking about right now. All right. So anyway, so I'm putting these things into practice as best as I can. And I am, I, I've decided I am happy. I'm going to have a great time when I go to Atlanta. I am going to have a great time when I fly out to Vegas. I am not going to focus on the fact that I, I could, could potentially be uncomfortable. In fact, to prepare for running through these airports on multi, multi, and all these other things, I, have, I decided, you know what, John, you're going to drop dead and be absolutely miserable if you don't start working out. So for the first time, I was, did two back-to-back -back workouts on my elliptical. And what I'm really pleased about, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, is I, for the first time in my life actually did a full workout over a 30-minute lunch break at 12 noon. I have never done that before. I have always worked out at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. You could ask my ex-wife. She's on YouTube. She's a, you know, whatever. I, I have more exes than in Texas, you know, because I was once saved, always saved. That's how it works. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so my point is this. I this was, you know, a necessity for me. I knew that I was so, and I chose I'm going to have a good time. I got to get, you know, I couldn't be like dropping dead and falling over and fainting in the airport. Sometimes you got to go 2-3 miles in some of those airports. It's ridiculous. Don't even get me going on Dulles. That ought to be nuked. So somebody ought to put up like, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe we can use get, you know, borrow one of those um air vapor bombs or whatever they have over in Russia. That they're this are supposedly making a fuss over, oh, these are illegal arms and you're not allowed to use them. And I'm like, "Excuse me, didn't you tell Russia to go bite up a tree? Didn't you basically kick them out of every treaty that was ever established? And they're sitting there, you got the gall to tell them that they can't use a certain type of a bomb. And none of the bombs that they're using are especially horrible, like the cluster bombs that are being used by the Azov Battalion under Zelensky. And we now have American, we have American soldiers that are fighting side by side and leading these Azov Nazi battalions because Russia is getting the passports of the special operations guys that are working with them. We're pretty sick. This is a sick, twisted country, and we deserve the judgment of God. It is. Ugh. Unless, of course, you watch CBN. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, Father, forgive me, please. Um, Franklin Graham is over in Ukraine right now, praying. Oh my God, I hope he sees some of the Nazis running around. I hope he sees at least one swastika and knows what it is. Oh, Lord, help us all. Our people are caught, killed. All day long, they're destroyed for lack of wisdom. It's hard. It's hard to deal with it all. But anyway, so get this. And I know I got to bring on Brother Sammy Mwangi. So he's, his testimony is going to run for a while. And, uh, and then Terry will get the whole hour uh, left. And if she goes, remember, remember, uh, you can dial 319-527-6020. Again, 319-527-6020. As long as you do it before 9.30 p.m. 
Eastern Time, and you dial in before the show is over. You will be able to connect and listen if we go into overtime with Terry's message. And that would be if she goes past the 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time mark, okay, which is fine with me. Now, because um, I want to be able to extend the show on the fly when we have Brother Sammy come on and give testimony. Praise God. He just got back from a powerful trip. All right. But anyway, I want to finish this. So listen to this. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So you got to take that 25% that you have on your thermometer, and you got to control that. And that's very hard today. Very, very hard. <clears throat> so is a smile going to do it? What's going to do it? What's going to help you? Well, you're going to have to find your way. You're going to have to figure out what works for you. Does a gratitude stone help you help to remember you to pray? Teach you, you know, do you, does that help? Smiling. What about spending a little time practicing Philippians four verse eight? Okay, uh, right in the middle of the day, you know, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever things you know, meditate upon these things. What about Colossians three two? Keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world. But, of course, if you say the word meditation, everybody will go, oh, you're one of those creepy, weird New Agers that sticks your belly button and goes, oh, and, you know, and kundalini and, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. No. No, you're meditating on Jesus. You're focusing on the glory of God. Satan uses key words to make Christians who are gullible run away from the mysteries of the Bible. But we're so busy running away and calling people names, we don't even we can't receive the blessing. So anyway, so this so I've been doing this, you know. I made I made up my mind. I I'm gonna have a good time, and you know what? I actually mean it. It's not like I'm making. It's not fake. I am going to have a good time. I am not upset that I'm going to have a couple of Wednesday shows that are going to have to go to best of shows or whatever. I'm not upset. I used to upset me a lot. It doesn't bother me. Whatever. I've done over 4,000 radio shows in 12 years for crying out loud. If I miss a couple of Wednesdays, big deal. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So anyway, um, uh, let's see here. So guess what happened? One of the greatest stressors that I have in my life, of course, Satan knows this, is I live by myself with two boxers. Anybody who knows boxers? They're very cool dogs, and they're very unique, very expressive. It's almost like you feel like you're communicating with them. And I think you are, to a degree. But anyway, um, they just don't kennel well. Now, I've had somebody say, oh, well, I had a boxer, and I had no problem with the kennel. Well, in some cases, but they just are not – they don't kennel well. I know this. I, I've been through these experiences. I've had boxers for over 20 years. So I, I, I understand it. For, boxers are so playful, and other dogs, not every breed, but a lot of the breeds, especially the more aggressive ones like the pit bulls, the rottweilers, and even, believe it or not, the golden retrievers, they don't like it when boxers kind of go to play with them. They don't like it, and they will cause major medical problems to happen to your boxer dog. There will be a fight, and you will have a vet bill that is like 1200 bucks. Okay? You with me on this so far? All right. So it puts me in an exceedingly difficult situation when I have to travel. What about when I have to travel back-to-back, two weeks back-to-back? Can you imagine the magnitude of that problem? Because I don't have a large selection of people to help me. 
And my ex-wife was going, I can help you. I can't help you. I can help you. I'm sorry, my job, my boss said no. Now I can. Now I can't. Now it was off and on and off and on and off and on. Of course, this is adding more stress. The devil's attacking me. I don't know if I'm going to have to give my resignation. What am I going to do? Say to my boss, I'm not going to go to that billion-dollar company in Vegas who asked for me by name because I can't have someone watch my dog? It doesn't work like that. So get this. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So I chose to be happy. I chose to praise. I renewed my mind. Now, I am not saying that I didn't do it with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we always have Christ living in us. We always have the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is a mixture of the two, but we must take the initiative. That's the problem. The church teaches that everything's going to magically just fall from the sky, and that is false. We live in a world where it's a quid pro quo world. Every single promise in the Bible has a condition. God gives us the promises that he promises when we meet those conditions. All right. But people skim over that. They miss that for some reason. And, of course, the church pastor doesn't ever touch on it. They read everything else, all the good stuff, but they don't read any of the conditions. And everybody's wondering why none of their prayers are being answered. So here was my testimony my this was from god I, it was off it was on it was off it was on the stress is climbing the cre- i've only got 25 percent left on the thermometer i've almost hit the 100 percent i'm on, my head is almost going to pop i'm going to lose i'm going to limit god again again they tempted god unlimited holy one of israel 7841 i'm going to limit god because my thermometer is going to pop so I decided, I'm okay, that does it. I choose to be happier. I'm going to have a good time. I went out, and I searched on the Internet for house sitters. I've done this a thousand times, and I found nothing. But this time I did. This time I did. But after a conversation with this particular lady who, is, uh, who has uh, started her own business because she lost her husband, her husband owned his own businesses, and she took care of everything else. And she is basically Tim the Toolman Taylor on steroids. She can do drywall. She can do ceilings. She can paint. She can reorganize your garage. She can whatever. And I said to her, well, I have to assume that watching my house would be expensive. And she said, no, no. I'll stay there all night. I'll stay there the whole time with your dogs for only $55 a night. And I just about dropped. I just about fell off my chair. See, I've been dealing with the devil punching me in the head and limiting God, Psalm 7841, complaining about the manna, Psalm 7841, limiting God over and over and over again because Satan would use my triggers to generate so much stress that my heart would become angry, frustrated, all the things that the Israelites were doing that were limiting God. And the second that I chose, I made my mind up that I am going to have a good time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I was truly 100% praiseful, and I meant it. I renewed my mind. Praise Jesus, I'm sure, with his help. But this time, I didn't limit God. This time... I got somebody to not only watch my house, but to help me do plumbing, help me do drywall repairs, help me do just about anything that you could think of. 
I've already got her booked for the 26th to come over to the house and completely rearrange my whole garage. I said to her, how are you going to take things over to the dump? She, oh, I got a big old van, she says. I can put sofas and recliners and everything in there. No problem. I said, you are hired. Thank you, Jesus. And there's my testimony. So just be aware your thermometers are running at 75%. You may not know it. That's where they're sitting probably. That means the devil doesn't have a lot to push you. He doesn't have to push a lot of your buttons before you hit the top of the thermometer. And then you're limiting God. And that's why you keep on going through the same problems over and over again. And Satan is smart enough that he will mix it all up. He'll mix it up. By the time he comes back to the same tactic that he used in January, he's already done eight other brand new things to you over the last couple of months. He mixes things up on purpose so you forget and you're not at the ready. Praise God. But anyway, I wanted to give that testimony because that testimony is powerful. I wanted to give the analogy of the thermometer because I finally figured out how to be able to communicate the problem that we are all suffering with Ecclesiastes 1.18 and being aware of where we are in the end times and knowing what's coming. All right? All that stuff adds up. We cannot escape the flesh. We're stuck with it, although we are commanded to do everything that we can to transcend it. Choose happier. Choose praise. And whatever you do, don't limit God. Glory to Jesus. All right, and on that note, let's bring on Brother Sammy Mwangi. Sister Terry, Sister Terry, you can go overtime tonight, so no worries at all. All right, praise God. Brother Sammy, are you there? I'm here, John. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great, brother. God bless you. Boy, I was praying. I felt led to pray for you a little bit more than normal on this particular trip because, well, you know, things are kind of getting bumpy out there. So I, the Lord kept yeah, putting me on my heart, and I was, yeah, praise God. Tell us what happened. Wow, I was. I was very happy to hear that, you know, you've been praying uh, for us much more, and I thank God. And and uh, I just have to tell you, even as I start sharing, the second day after we, I, am, I arrived in Kenya, I was with a, a Kenyan friend who is uh, also from America. We were supposed to drive together, and uh, I told him I have another friend who is driving me to the guest house, and he was driving himself. This other guy now from U.S. was driving himself later that night. He had a very, very bad accident. It was a head-on collision. He almost died, and that was just our second day in Kenya. That was going to mess up the whole trip. Thank God, um, even though he had one uh, rib that was broken, at least he was not that badly hurt. And uh, he was not able to travel with me to Congo and Rwanda. Uh, but later on, after two, three weeks, he recovered and he was able to continue with the mission trip. And so I know the devil has bad plans, but, you know, God is always taking care of us. So I thank you for your prayers. Uh, those are the prayers that cover us when we are out there in the field. And also they disorganize every plan that the devil has on our lives. So that was a bit scary just in the second day of our arrival. But uh, thank you so much, John. And I want to thank everyone who has been praying for us. We, we've been in Africa for slightly over one month, 
went to Kenya, went to Rwanda, went to Congo and Tanzania. And uh, Tanzania was the first time we, we started doing work with them. Uh, started a Bible study in the, in the Maasai language. We have Maasai people in both Kenya and Tanzania. And so one time we were doing a Bible study um, route in Kenya, and a, a pastor from Tanzania came and he said, when you come again, could you do this in our country? And that's how we were able to connect and also go to that country. So the prayers that you've received from all our friends, uh, all the listeners of Tribution Now Radio, I want to just thank you so, so much. And also your support. Uh, those kind of trips are expensive. Traveling from all these different countries, the planes in Africa, uh, like because of your support, and uh, we're able to accomplish all that. Uh, John, I'm going to uh, try and just be brief and uh, just share a little bit about how we saw God in different places that we went. Uh, we did um, something that we started doing recently, the tournament with the youth, because we realized when we go for these meetings, we have a lot of women that come for the meetings and children, but the youth and the men are not turning up. So we decided one of the ways to bring them together is to do a soccer tournament because they love soccer, they love to watch and to play. And now we are having hundreds of youth coming uh, for soccer tournaments. We organize them nicely. There are competitions, there are rewards uh, for the winners. We have a trophy. And through that, we've won so many youth now to the kingdom of God. Every soccer tournament we go to, we have about 20 to 30 uh, young people who are giving their lives to Christ. And we have um, two to 500 people who turn up to watch the soccer and hear the gospel. So it's been amazing. This time we did three of them. We did uh, two in Kenya and one in Congo. The Congo one was the first we ever had. And we had so many, many people uh, gathered together. One of those soccer tournaments we had in Congo was interesting because the day we had planned it, it rained so much. And uh, we had people who had walked for five hours to come for the tournament. And we asked them they have to look for a place to sleep with their friends. And they waited for the following day. It was still raining, but we decided to go ahead because they couldn't uh, stay any longer. That day after the tournament, um, we started giving uh, food stuff to the pygmy people. And then all of a sudden, it poured so, so much, John. Uh, mo- most of the team members had gone back, but I had uh, three of my people. Actually, we were three in a local. Uh, we remained uh, giving the donations, and then it rained for so long, we couldn't stay longer. The motorbikes, because the, this is Idri Island, they don't have any vehicles there. The motorbikes could not um, ride on those muddy, you know, roads. And so we had to walk for more than an hour on the rain. I actually got some pictures on Facebook now. And um, the email I, I sent recently through our MailChimp, um, I have some of the pictures there. So it's just, and you know, we were rained on for a long time but just give us joy to know that we have accomplished some big thing. We've seen people come to Christ, young people who would ordinarily not come for the meetings, but now through the tournament, it was such, such a joy. And so that was an important thing. Then uh, I wanted to mention a little bit about the Maasai people, who a lot of people have heard about, very, very traditional people. Uh, again, men and young people are not really coming to the church, uh, leaving it to the women. But now we have started doing great, great ministry, even uh, having Bible studies now with the men. And uh, one of the days, we, we really went to a very, very remote part of Kenya. I remember we were uh, driving with an American guy, 
and he he kept asking, is this the uttermost part of the world that Jesus talked about? And uh, because he was wondering whether there are any further, I mean, any other people um, uh, living in the areas we are going, who are saying nobody lives further than here, you know. There are rivers there, there are no roads, so you get into the river and you get out and um, you push the car. But finally we found now the people who are visiting, they worship on a tree. We went, uh, they had asked us to go with chairs, so we had 50 chairs, donations for this uh, church, which uh, meets under the tree, sits on the rocks, uh, the logs, and it was just amazing just worshiping the Lord together with them and uh, just seeing how we can continue supporting them to do the work they are doing. We have a Bible study they are going on with the women now and others now starting for the men. And so, um, and, and we found, again, among the Maasai, because they are nomads, they move from one place to another. Most of the men had gone to take care of their cattle, and the women there and the children, they didn't have uh, food. Only older men were there. So, again, it was an opportunity for us as a ministry to be a blessing to them, you know, donating foodstuffs that we had carried, and um, just an amazing way of showing the love of God. And I've shared a lot of those pictures. Uh, another thing I wanted to share is about Idri, Idri Island, a place that we are very passionate about. It's an island where you never, you never, you not, ne- ne- we don't meet other, you know, groups coming from ministry or NGOs, non-profit organizations there because it's really uh, in the interior there. But you know, starting a school that we just launched, we did the the first tone, we did the foundation, and now the school is coming up. They are starting with three classes. Um, it's just amazing just to see. And there was so much joy when we said we are going to do the prayer for the commissioning. So many, many people came just knowing that it's going to be a benefit to their children. They came rejoicing and we had a fellowship and time of prayer. And um, I just want to say this mission was just awesome. Over 200 people gave their rights to Christ. There could have been many more, but, you know, it was just interesting how things were going. But the ones that we are really able to um, pinpoint and be able to talk with them one-on-one and, and be able to put them in the Bible studies and all that, uh, about 200 of them, and which is definitely a great number. I remember I met a man, I just finished high school, but he got saved in the meeting we had last in August, and he just told me how he has gone back to his school and started Bible studies there and how people's lives have been transformed. And we met this guy. He was a goalkeeper last time we went there in August. He was a goalkeeper in one of the tournaments, gave his life to Christ, now met him again, and he is doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. So we are seeing change. Every person that gives their life to Christ, we try to follow them and and ensure that they can go on and being a blessing to others. Um, I I should share this as my last story about a man called Anatore, He's from Rwanda. This is a guy who got saved in 2019. Um, you know, he had all these dreads and his life was in a big mess. Now he's married and he's just farming so well. We started him off uh, two years ago with rabbits, three rabbits. Now, when I visited with him, he told me he had 13 rabbits, sold five of them to buy a pig. So now I found him with a wife doing amazing work. Uh, being a blessing to the people around there, uh, involved in choir, involved in Bible study, and what a joy just to see how people's lives are being transformed. You know, people that you can pinpoint and you can talk about them 
and and uh, it's it's such a joy, John, to see uh, people saved, lives changed, kids in our school in Bugunga, hundreds of them graduating now, and um, the Masa is giving their rights to Christ, and new projects coming up. It's all joyful, and I want to thank every person who prays for us. Uh, because this prayer is the big thing that we need every day. Every day we need, we have staff members, even when I'm here, I have staff members in Kenya, we have staff members in all those other countries. In fact, John, yes, I just got a call from our people in Burundi. They went to a new place that we are trying to work, and the kids there were so dirty and so hungry. And even though we had helped them to plant and they are waiting for the beans to uh, be harvested in a month's time, they say this, everybody is so hungry, and um, we had to do a video just to see that and to send money online. Thank God that these things have become much, much easier. Just through my phone, I can send money to Burundi, and they were able to feed those kids and just gave me so much joy. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. I want to thank those who continue to donate to Pipes International, P-I-P-E-S, PipesInternational.org. You are amazing. And God bless you for all that you do, for every life you're touching. May the Lord bless you and also keep you and bless your children and their children for generations because of what you do for the kingdom. Thank you, John. God bless you. This is Pastor Samuel of Pipes International. Wow. Praise God. That's awesome. Again, folks, P-I-P-E-S international.org like pipes in a house easy to find um and and just such a blessing i just love it that you know i just it's a different day you know to be able to seed into the kingdom using paypal and not have to go through all the other stuff i mean it, it we know that the money's getting right into your hands and uh and and it's touching people's lives and you know <clears throat> I've always been suspicious when other, uh, you know, ministries and stuff would come back and they'd be like, 5,000 people just gave their lives to Jesus. And I'm like, mm, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and you're, you're, you know, when you come back, it's so realistic, you know, you, you, you know, it's like you're there. I, I've seen those pictures of the mud uh, on Idri Island and, and the condition of, the, you know, the places that the folks were living and, oh my gosh. I mean, just to be able to go out there and to get sound equipment and to be able to do what you guys do is just – that's a miracle by itself. But then to hear the mm. incredible testimonies and, and the and – the, and the, um, the uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call them? The um, what the, the 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 ministry books that you've been creating, so that they would become oh, yeah, the, uh, discipleship, oh, that, the discipleship discipleship. Yes, um, mm-hmm. that is absolutely brilliant. Um, and um, it because again, if you know that that's what it's all about. You know, the, the Great Commission is to turn other people into disciples, so that they go out and touch other people's lives. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, and that is one of the number one things that is lost in the realm of missionary work. Missionary work, and and this goes back into time, but I I mentioned this before, but if you read the John G. Lake letters from South Africa, he one of his biggest concerns, and I mentioned this, I've I, this is a repeat of you know I've told people this before, but it's so relevant. He would come back in his letters from South Africa, and he would tell people, you know, when he would he would go to America, hang out for a while, then he would go back out on a missions trip in, in Africa. And one of the things he wrote about regularly was he, he was very very troubled because they would return to their pagan ways. 
Um, and then, and he was like, this is not right. This is not what we want. We want them to, you know, stay with Jesus. Well, you're creating, you know, by the translations of these books and teaching them mm. how to live that life in their language and become yep. disciples. Yep. It, 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 it makes all that whole problem just goes away. That whole problem just goes away. And you're doing exactly, yep. you're transforming discipleship evangelism and making a making mm. it a part of the missionary work. And that is absolutely anointed brother. God bless mm. you for your work. And thank you for your testimony and your courage, your courage to go out into these places when the world is just getting darker and more dangerous mm. uh, every single month, brother, just God bless you for going through this. And yes, our prayers are mm. with you. And um, I just Amen. want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. God bless you, Sammy. All right. And on that note, folks, we're going to go ahead and bring on Sister Terry Hill, and she can go the full hour and 10 minutes and also into overtime if she feels like it's past 930. Just remember that if she does, you know, in case she seems like she might be going past 930, you got to call in 319-527-6020. I feel like I'm on the uh, shopping channel or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, 319-527-6020, you got to dial that number before 9.30 p.m. It, it, just in case uh, Sister Terry feels led to go past the 9.30 hour. Otherwise, you'll get this like, do do do, you know, the show's over kind of thing, and you'll miss out your opportunity to call in. Anyway, God bless you all. Let's go ahead and bring on uh, uh, Sister Terry Hill. This is a powerful and very relevant message for our time right now. Here we go. Praise God. Sister Terry, are you there? I sure am, John. I'm here. <laughs> you made it. Over hill, over dale, with a sickle in your hand, chopping down the devil's weeds and getting them out of your way, and then you have arrived. <laughs> oh, isn't life fun? <laughs> oh. Yes, it's, it's an adventure and it's a journey, that's for sure. Amen. Well, anyway, I'm going to grab my folding chair and head to the back. And it's all yours. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> well, so good to be with you again, Brother John and my brothers and sisters in Christ. What a blessing. What a privilege. And what a blessing uh, listening to our brother, Sammy. Um, we're so grateful to him and his ministry. So grateful to every one of you who I have not yet had the privilege of meeting, but you're my brother and sister in Christ. Let's pray, beloved. Father, in the name of Jesus, I had such an excitement in my heart when you dropped into my own heart your message for your people. I heard you say it. Hold on, Job. Your change is coming. So, Father, I thank you that I just sit here and ask you to put your word in my mouth to help build up and edify, strengthen, comfort, exhort, and encourage my brethren with your word. How we thank you, Father, for your word. How we praise you for your son, the living word, who is the resurrection and the life. We commit this time now to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, happy resurrection, John. Happy resurrection, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I, I'd like to give you my phone number. Um, excuse me, my email address and website address for those who are requesting prayer. 
you can um, reach me uh, at a word in due season, 777 at gmail.com. If you want to go to the website address, um, got all kinds of things there for you to look at. That's a word in due season.com. So, beloved, once again, this time of year is here Passover, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Thank God for the hope, for the glorious hope that we have in Christ. And I'm so grateful that God has put in his book for us, uh, his plan for us, and the fact that he even revealed that resurrection truth, even to Job, because I know that I am talking to some Jobs tonight, and I know that where God has placed each one of us, we are in a unique position to touch other people who are hurting perhaps right now, who are um, separated from family members, who are have endured loss uh, in many different degrees. We're talking to people, and I'm too am hearing testimonies of uh, what God is doing, and I'm very much aware God is moving his people around strategically. I, um, just in the past two years, I've had four pretty close friends move out of the state where I live, and uh, so the Father is positioning us, he's directing us, because there's one thing on his mind above and beyond all else, and that is the Great Commission, that we would touch people with the hope that we have that Jesus not only came once, not only did he raise from the dead, but he is coming again. And uh, he is our companion, isn't he, beloved, in our sufferings. He is a companion uh, with us as we endure, as we persevere, as we go through separation. So what I'd like to do is just take you um, briefly into the book of Job and just talk to you a little bit about Job and what I found, some goodies that I did find in Job that I'd not seen before. I'm so grateful to the Lord when he opens his book, when he shines that flashlight on the word and he illuminates things for us. I'm so grateful for that. But I want to start out by saying first um, and ask you a question. You may or may not have considered this, but did you know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we call the Godhead, has deliberated and consulted together concerning your destiny? Did you know that? Did you know that you've been the subject of discussion in heavenly deliberations? That you, in fact, everything about you, where you were born, when you were born, who your parents are, where you live, the personality that Father gave you, and our great creator has created you in his image, beloved. Trust me, he has, and it's pleased him to create you in his image. Did you know that these plans have been talked about because God has a glorious inheritance for those in his family, those who are born again, those who have been justified freely by his grace. What we need to know is that the fixed theories, okay, there are theories that men may entertain in their mind, but it is a carnal mind. And John touched on something earlier. He talked about how important it is to renew our mind. And boy, is that true. We need to renew our minds. But we find that, and you probably run into it, that the carnal mind believes often that goodness and wickedness are always rewarded or punished in this present life. But that is not a fact. 
You see, Job's friends, and Job really went through some things. Job's friends could not even perceive that God's workings in him and in his servants involves destiny and that which is beyond this present life. So again, uh, I'm asking the Father to help me to understand, to enlarge my own thinking and my perspective, that my perspective would be his perspective, that he would begin to understand that he knows the details of our destiny, of our destiny. And I believe if we ask him some things that he, in fact, would show us. I believe he is so good that he will show us what we need to know when we need to know it. Now, we know that the book of Job begins with heavenly deliberations. And what was going on is there's a debate between God and Satan. And by the way, for those who would like the show notes, who want um, any other information or prayer, again, please contact me. I'm so happy to send these things on to you. What we find in the book of Job is that Satan's challenge basically becomes God's opportunity to build Job and to prove that his faith is genuine. And we find out as we read, and the longer we walk with him, we realize that God is sovereign. He really is. He chooses what he wants to do. He does as he pleases. And we need to leave room in our thinking for a sovereign God because he does what he wants for his glory, and for what is best for his servants. So we need to know and remember that the enemy is limited in his movements. He can only do what God allows. So in Job chapter 1, we see that um, God permitted the adversary to test the accusations that Satan actually brought against Job. And we find overall Uh, that there are two overall assaults. The first assault touched Job's possessions. It brought him actually bankruptcy and bereavement. And we can read about that in Job 1, uh, verse 11 and 12. And actually, our father was talking to the enemy about his servant and that this was a a godly, righteous man who was a worshiper who uh, offered offerings to the Lord and... um, knew how to talk to God, offered up prayers, and certainly was um, a man of prestige. He was um, held highly in regard of all those who knew him. But we find in Job 1, verse 11, as the enemy had again accused him and said, you've made a hedge about him, verse 10, and all that he has on every side. You've blessed his hands and his possessions have increased. But notice what the enemy says. Now put forth your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 12 of Job 1 says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. In verses 13, well, let's see, all the way through um, verses 22 of the first chapter, I'll just touch on that again because again uh, everything hit Job very quickly Um, he was speaking and talking and um, servants his servants were killed his uh, children and his goods were destroyed and uh, there was a a wind that came across the wilderness and it struck the corners of the house where his uh, people where his family members were and they all died 
And in verse 20, it says, Job arose and he tore his robe, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshiped. I said, boy, this is a key. This is a man who knows and understands worship. He fell to the ground and he worshiped. Verse 21 says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22 says, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And now in chapter 2, we read similarly that um, the sons of God and the enemy came before the Lord and asked for permission to touch his body. And um, the Lord gave him permission. Uh, He said, you can put forth your hand. Uh, touch his bone and his flesh and the enemy said he's going to curse you and the lord said to satan in verse six of chapter two behold he is in your power only spare his life verse seven satan went out from the presence of the lord smote job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head and what we find then is in verse eight he basically was sitting down uh, scraping himself trying to alleviate the pain His wife said to him in verse 9, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Verse 10, he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And then verse 11, 12, and 13 uh, describes friends of Job who came to him. But verse 13 says, they saw that Job's pain was very great. Now, friends, I can't um, even imagine what some of you have been going through in these past few months, maybe even this week. I don't know what pain has come into your life. I don't know what your suffering looks like. I don't know if perhaps I'm speaking to some who um, have lost loved ones uh, due to sickness, perhaps uh, COVID-19. Some of you have lost children either through death or through fallout in your family and you're not in touch with them. Perhaps some of you are suffering in your body and your health is not good. What we need to understand, what we need to hear from the Lord tonight as I'm sitting and I'm asking, Father, please, what do I say to your people? Number one, you are going to be misunderstood by your friends. Let me just say right here, one of the reasons God wrote this book is because people from the outside were looking at his life, and they all had opinions, okay? But there's only one, the one who is called the friend who sticks closer than a brother, who in fact becomes a true companion of someone who suffers through any kind of tragedy any kind of pain, loss, or suffering. Job lost his property. He lost his children. He lost his good health. But this man was a worshiper, and the Bible tells us he was righteous, that he did not sin with his lips. And all through Scripture, in both Old and New Testament, uh, Job is referred to. uh, Let me read to you in the book of James. Listen to what James said about Job in James 5.11. Actually, let's start at verse 7. This is James speaking. He said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. He's patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. Verse 8, You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, 
that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Verse 10 says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11 says, behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now I want to read to you out of 1 Peter. Because when we talk about suffering, there are different kinds of suffering. There's a suffering of loneliness. And I know to some degree, every one of us has experienced it, perhaps some more than others. But when we walk with the Lord, friends, and we walk through trials and testings, the Lord wants to remind us that that is actually normal, that fiery trials, according to 1 Peter, are normal. Let me read to you 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Listen to verse 12 in 1 Peter 4. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing had happened to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, and I know some of you have been, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God is resting on you. Praise God. And verse 19 says, therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. In doing what is right. Again, I just want to go over some thoughts for you to think of and to consider tonight. That if you're experiencing loss, and again, if I talk about loss, that could be in the physical, it could be relational. Perhaps you're suffering um, from separation, from loss of people that you used to be joined to or close to and they have moved or they're gone or they're no longer in your life, perhaps deceased and or loss uh, in the physical realm, loss of jobs, loss of property. It's important to remember that loss and suffering and calamity that hits our life does not necessarily spell punishment from God, Okay. There is a divine, benevolent purpose achieved through the sufferings of the godly if we understand that what we're going through now in our earthly bodies on planet Earth, we need to understand that there's something called destiny. Our Father is preparing us for something beyond this present life. Now, certainly, we're going to see the hand of God. We're going to see the Father reveal himself. We will have the privilege of seeing some fruit. We will have the privilege of seeing some prayers answered, but I believe that we need to understand that it's not just this temporary existence in our clay bodies, beloved. There are ages behind us and there are ages ahead of us. So God is doing a deep work right now. He is doing a inner work of resurrection within us now, and we can't see it, 
But what's happening now is the resurrection of our body to glory, okay, it cannot take place until first this inner spiritual personality has been resurrected. So <clears throat> with regard to resurrection, there's an inner resurrection that takes place first. And this happens <clears throat> over and over again, especially as we consider the word metamorphosis and the scripture talks about it in uh, the book of Job also in Job 14, 13, it says, oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would keep me secret until your wrath is passed, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change comes. Now, the word um, change and metamorphosis means the change of our form, okay, the change of our appearance, our character. But the outer form is not changed until the inner uh, person is first resurrected and is um, brought to life through the very life-changing power of being born from above. We call that being born again. You know, in the beginning, the oak tree as an acorn, all right? So an acorn becomes an oak tree, the tadpole, becomes a frog, and a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And so that word uh, metamorpho, which is actually uh, metamorphosis, it means a change of form. And with the caterpillar, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I'm a butterfly lover. I really like butterflies. If I have a chance to go to a butterfly exhibit, I want to go because I think they're amazing. But we need to understand that where we're at now in this cocoon stage, all right? It's a chamber of change. It's also a a type of the place of the secret place of the Most High. It's a time of being obedient. It's a time of praying. It's a time of listening to the Lord, walking with the Lord. And on the inside, something dies. You see, in that cocoon, um, when we're raised to life with Christ, it's because we have first identified with him in his death. Uh, The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, right? And all things are being made new. So what happens is something that looked good dies. So, you know, a caterpillar is a good thing. God created a caterpillar, but the best is yet to be born. There is change coming, and there are seasons. There are um, time changes in our lives when we see change, but ultimately, the change that Job was longing for, that you and I are longing for, is when this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. Now, how do we do that? Okay, so how exactly do I cooperate? How do we cooperate, Lord? How do we understand and know that we are walking with you in that place, that we are abiding in that secret place of the Most High? How is it that I can cooperate? How is it that I can be in union with you and walk in one accord with you well number one just abiding in him i know that sounds like a simple um, statement but beloved when god begins to reveal himself to us okay revelation light floods in and while we're waiting for our change to come whether that's a change in in something temporary with our job situation perhaps a home or a family or a marriage situation perhaps um, with our health issues and seeking the Lord about guidance and wisdom. Are we to move, Father? Are we to stay? Are we to look for another job? 
what do you have to say, Father? How do I know that as, as I seek you that I'm not going to be missing you? You know, the, the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith, but as God begins to reveal himself to you and I, beloved, we need to remember that our lives are more complex than just a religious formula, okay? Now, thank God for practical teaching. Thank goodness for those who can elaborate on God's word or or give us some good suggestions. But let me just say that what may apply for you may not necessarily apply for me, except that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Again, if if I've died with him, that I will be raised with him. And we need to understand as well that there is a law of sowing and reaping. We all know that, right? That a righteous man will reap what he sows, but not necessarily in this life. All right? So there are prayers that you and I have prayed. There is some sowing and reaping that we are not going to see and realize until we get to the other side. Until Jesus appears, then we will be changed, or if he calls us home prior to that time. If we can trust him and know that there is divine benevolent purpose that God is working in us when we suffer. Now, we look at the lives of some that are suffering. We're very much aware of what's happening in Ukraine and in Russia. We're very much aware of what's happening in different parts of the world, and we hear of stories of persecution and uh, bereavement and terrible tragedy and injustice, and, beloved, we understand that, but again, when we are, we are sincere in our heart, if we are truly walking in the light that we have, all right, not walking in someone else's light that they have, but walking in the light that you have, that I have at the present time, we need to understand that God will uphold you and I in the day of testing. And we cannot um, yield to that spirit of fear that says, God must not be answering your prayer because things have not changed for you yet, or you're not praying or fasting enough. You're not in the word enough. You're, you know, again, it'll be a barrage of accusation that will hit our minds. It'll be assault on our thinking. When that begins to come, it's almost, to me, it, it sometimes it's almost like a machine gun. Things will just start hitting at my mind, and I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute, that did not come from the Spirit of God. So immediately what you do is you uh, pass down. Uh, Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Do not even entertain those things, all right? If you are sincere in your heart, if you are walking with Christ, if you know as you've gone before him, as we go before him every day, Father, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Let the words of my heart and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Beloved, we have to trust and know that he is leading us, that he is walking with us, that he knows what he is doing. And righteous men and women are perfected through suffering. God puts that all the way through his word. There are times that I am convinced that our Father will allow us to be misunderstood. When we see some of God's servants, such as Job, who was misunderstood by his friends, certainly Jesus was misunderstood, certainly the disciples And many godly people through scripture were misunderstood. It's important to just release grace to them and be gracious to them and not even have the need to think that we have to explain ourselves. Because quite honestly, beloved, when we're in the middle of a test and a trial, we can't even explain it ourselves. How did I get in this place? 
how is it that I'm going through this um, trial that I'm going through? All I know is that there is an upward call, okay? Something is happening in us, beloved. There's an upward call. Something is calling us upward, ever closer to the Lord. And we are, in fact, becoming a friend of God as we are a partaker of his suffering. The Apostle Paul prayed that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed even unto his death. Again, beloved, we all want to be, and certainly our Father's will is to be conformed to the image of the Son, don't we? We all desire to see more fruit in our lives. We all desire to be more patient. We desire um, to be kind more than we are. We desire to be more generous than we are. We certainly have these desires in us. But what I find, and perhaps this will be helpful to some of you, is that it seems the more I'm asking him to um, cause me to be conformed to his very own image, it seems that I get more and more opportunities to do just that. And I find, Father, I can see your hand moving in little ways now, and, and I'm content with that. I would think things as I'm sitting with him in my time with the Lord, or I would just ask him something quickly, and then I would listen, or I would read something in the Word, and then I forget about it, and a day or two later, or a week later, he's answered it. And to me, I'm so joyful at that, and I know that you've experienced this. If we can see and know that we don't have to see the hand of God in spectacular and immediate acts, but we can know that he hears and knows every thought that we think. He knows the desires of our heart. He knows that we love him. He knows that we are but dust. But he also has confidence. Yes, he does. And I have confidence in the spirit of God who lives in me. And our Father has confidence in the power of his spirit that dwells in you. And so having said that, there are some that I'm talking to now because I just saw, wow, I just heard something, so I'm going to share it. That there are times that we're going along uh, on our, our course with the Lord and we're serving in a particular manner. And uh, perhaps we're raising children, and then our children leave, and we begin to embrace another uh, aspect of ministry, or we go down a different path. And in something in us, the Lord says, I'm going to take you another way now. And what I'm realizing now, and what I want to just share with you, is that as the Lord's servant, we, learn, we must learn to rejoice in the will of God, not just the work of God, Okay that we can rejoice in the will of God and not just the work of God. Now, let me just comment and say the work of God is a great privilege. To be a co-laborer together with Christ is awesome and wonderful. And he allows us that privilege. But let's not forget that, number one, his plan is not only to um, cause us to be righteous through the work, the finished work of the cross, But, beloved, he's taking us from just being a forgiven sinner, and as wonderful as that is, and it's a fact for me, and it's a fact for you, bringing us to that place of becoming a life-giving spirit that literally walks and thinks and lives like his son does. And I sit here on the other end, as you do, as I sit with him and talk to my friends as we enjoy one another's company 
And I think to myself, you know, Lord, I know I'm justified. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that you love me. That's a given. But I have a long way to go, Father. (laughs) How is it that you are going to change me? And what I'm realizing more and more is that the everyday little challenges that you and I face, whether it be regarding our family pets, as Johnny was talking about earlier today, and trusting the Lord with the details of our lives, such as our pets or things involving our home. We know that Job was wholeheartedly given over to please God, right? We know that about him. We know that he was upright. We know that he feared God. We know that he hated evil. We know that he was a man of righteousness and patience. And I trust that the people that I'm talking to tonight, you love the Lord. You love his word. You love his presence. You love his power. You've seen his glory. He's visited you in the night. He's visited you in dreams and in visions. He's answered prayer. You've had the opportunity to lead people to Christ. That is so wonderful. One of the things that I'm seeing about Job that, um, again, I'm so thankful for this book that God included in the canon of scripture, is that Job's concern from the very beginning to the end was not his health, it wasn't his wealth, but it was his life with and our inward or outward joy, okay, of the righteous cannot be destroyed by outward misfortune. Friends, it's hard to live in a fallen world. It's hard to live and to walk in a place where all we see is corruption and injustice. We see pain, and there's nothing we can do about it. In fact, the only thing that we are called to do by the Lord is to share his gospel message. Beloved, the gospel means good news. Thank you, Lord. And today is a day that we celebrate. I know we celebrate this every day, but we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And if he has been raised from the dead, we too shall be raised. Because like Christ, we've been buried with him, and we too shall be raised. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. This is a promise of resurrection. And listen to this. He said, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Beloved, that's you and me. There will be a glory revealed in us and through us. For all of creation is longing. It's waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. And verse 21 of Romans 8 says, creation itself will be set free. Now, I know this is hard to 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 fathom. I'm trying to get my, um, to conceive this in my own mind. What exactly is this going to look like, Father? I know that there's a suffering now, that as we suffer, as we wait, as we endure, as we observe things all around us, we can come to one conclusion, and that is this. This world is absolutely broken, and nobody but Jesus can fix it. But as this is going on, as we're walking through, verse 21 says here, creation will be set free from its slavery to corruption into freedom of the glory of the children of God. Did you just hear that? Creation is going to be set free from its slavery to corruption into freedom 
of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, all creation is groaning. And we ourselves groan too, don't we? It says it suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. We're groaning within ourselves. We're eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons for the redemption of our body. And as we are considering this, as we understand the groaning, friends, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I've heard creation groaning. And we've seen human beings groaning, weeping, saddened by what's going on all around us, friends. Wars, rumors of wars, disease, suffering, injustice, wicked rulers still in place because the prince of the power of the air has not yet been dislodged because the enemy, the God of this world, has not yet been cast down to the earth, but his time is running out. So having said all of these things and seeing and knowing that we are literally helpless to fix this groaning creation, what we do know is this. We have the glorious privilege of preaching the gospel, the message of salvation that people desperately need to hear. We may not be able to go into detail with them about what's going on behind the scenes as far as what is in the COVID vaccine, as far as what is going on with Klaus Schwab and the dictators that are rising up through him. We may not be able to to go into great detail with people when we briefly talk with them in the store as we're running errands, as we just pass by people, as we pick up our mail, wherever we go, whatever we do. But we can ask the Father to open that door so we can share with people the hope that is in Jesus. You see, if we can learn to rejoice in the will of God, okay, and not just the work of God, we won't expect that, that it's our work performance that's going to accomplish it. It is truly not by our might or power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Friends, I, can't, I couldn't save myself. I can't save anybody else. But if we open our mouth and share hope, if we share what Christ has done for us, if we ask the Father to give us a platform with which we can share, and we understand and know that God can and does know everything about that person who's in front of us, and he loves them so deeply, all we have to do is sow the seed. Did you know that? We may not be able to lead them in a sinner's prayer, but friends, If we understand that if we just continue to sow the seed, okay, it looks like Terry dropped off. Um, Oh, there she is. She dialed back really quick. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There I am. Okay. Can you hear me, John? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's keep going through. Beloved, as we run into people that are hurting, as you and I walk through all of this, we, we understand in an hour of deep anguish and suffering, something is happening within us on the inside. The spirit is free to break through into a realm of light and knowledge that has never been possible before. And again, human suffering is more than just a system of rewards and punishments. It may be a tribute that you're paying for someone else's freedom if you're a parent. There's suffering just in being a parent at times, right? 
and a blessing. Uh, Godly leaders, pastors certainly can understand this. So when we suffer, when we wait, as we are persecuted, as we endure, this is a purifying effect on us on the inside, and something is happening. It's raising us to higher levels of light. Now, I, I can't explain it, but I know it. God is instructing us. We're learning the ways of the Lord, okay? In the crucible of these trials and suffering, God is um, furthering our education, and he wants us to learn about his mercy. He wants us to gain his perspective. And so we ask him, and we at times run into people that say, if God is such a good God, why does he allow the godly to suffer? But friends, if we can lead them and point them to that hope in Christ and for you and for I just to know as well that our own weakness and our own character can be revealed in the things that we're going through, okay? So God is refining us. He's purifying us. And Job was able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. He said that in Job 19.25. I know that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Job also said, he knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I'm going to come forth like gold. Friends, you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I'm not so concerned about looking like gold or having gold. I just want to get through another day. I just need to know what to do in my marriage situation. I just need to know what to do about my job situation. I just need to know what I should do about my housing situation or my finances or my health. What do I do, Lord? Beloved, listen to me here. There is something intrinsic of a divine nature. God's purified faith. Purified faith is growing on the inside of you and me. You see, gold is precious and rare and valuable. And as your faith is tried, as my faith is tried, it's the standard by which Everything else is judged. It's what we take with us into eternity. It's what marks us as as was true with Job, that his faith was true. His faith was real. And let me just share this with you. This was a prayer of Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3.10. He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, that I might apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. He says, this one thing I do, I forget which is behind. And beloved, we do that. We have to forget which is behind. Whatever area where you have failed, where you have missed the mark, where you've dropped the cross, or even where you or I have deliberately disobeyed, knowing full well that this was not God's will, but in a moment of weakness or in a moment of temptation, we blew it. Paul said it, and I'm going to say it now. We have to forget those things which are behind. We have to do it. We have to go to Christ. We have to be reconciled, asking him to cover us with his blood and know that we have to continue to reach forth to that which is before us. We have to press toward that mark, right? that prize of a high calling. You know, Revelation 26 says this, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. And you know, the first resurrection, that first phase, which we call the parousia, is going to manifest Christ 
to the world, beloved. And we saw this happen. Um, Peter, James, and John saw it happen in the transformation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a transformation, and there will be an hour of glorification of Jesus in you and I. So tomorrow when you go to work, tomorrow when you have to face a difficult situation, next week when you have to do something, make that call, take that trip, go and do something that you would really rather not do, we need to understand and know that this veil of our flesh is concealing something, okay? There is a vessel of glory on the inside of every one of us who belong to Jesus. God is going to make visible to all of creation the physical realm of what's been active and influential in the earth for over 2,000 years. One day, beloved, you will see and others will appreciate. Now, I don't have a full understanding, but in the millennial kingdom, it's going to be glorious. We're going to have new bodies. We need to understand we're going to have a body like the Lord. We're going to see the finished product, okay? We're going to see what full redemption looks like. The body, the soul, and the spirit of God's power his divine nature and power working in a first fruits people, beloved. And as you and I learn to forgive people, how many have had to learn to forgive somebody this past week? Perhaps of the same thing over and over again. You forgive and you remind yourself, as I remind myself, God's forgiven me. I have to forgive them quickly, freely we forgive, right? And we have to extend grace to others when they fail us, when they abandon us when they continue to speak things that are just not true about us, quickly, easily forgive. Remember, we're not only forgiven, justified, and sanctified, but God is bringing us to that place of being life-giving spirits who will serve as priests and deliverers of God's creation. In this age, in this time period, which we call the age of grace, the church age, It is a time now of transformation on the inside of us. Someday the nations are going to behold the glory of God in you, my brother and sister. One day the saints are going to take the kingdom according to Daniel 7.18. But this first resurrection and this change that Job was so eagerly pressing toward, it's attained through a lifelong pursuit of total union with Christ just wanting to be in agreement and waking up tomorrow and saying, Father, I desire to walk with you in union and unity with you. Father, that my will would be your will. Because, beloved, sometimes I honestly don't know what the will of the Father is, and I have to ask, and I have to ask him, please make it clear, because I don't want to violate your will, and I I don't want to grieve your Holy Spirit. I don't want to hurt or wound the hurting people around me, Because, you know, there's something about Jesus. This is what John the Baptist said. Notice what John said about Jesus in Matthew 12. And you and I meet these people all the time. It says of him, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. In other words, if somebody is bruised or broke or really, really hurting, Jesus will not break that that person. Or if they're just like a dimly burning whip, He won't snuff that out. He won't quench that out. And we run into people all the time, don't we, who are hurting, 
they're broken and we don't want to say anything to add to their pain. We don't want to snuff out what little faith they may have because people have hurt them. People have abandoned them and rejected them and failed them. See, we want to be able to come with a life-giving breath and somehow blow by the power of the Spirit, not literally, but by the Spirit of God, not snuff that out, but increase it and, in fact, bring them back to life. It's almost like when a fire, if you've ever been around a campfire or had a fire in your fireplace at the house, and it looks like the fire is almost out, but if you give it some oxygen, begin to blow on it and stir up those embers, it comes back to life again. You see, this is what God is doing in each of us. He wants us to help bring other people back to life and some who have never had life. He wants to use you and I. And that's why the scripture tells us in Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So as he delivers you and I out of these afflictions, as he helps to revive us and to bring us back to the place where we can trust again, because some that I'm talking to tonight, you have a hard time trusting people now because people have failed you. You've trusted people. You've confided in them and they've rejected you, or they betrayed you, or they turned on you. But let me just say that this was an opportunity, a test. And as you come on the other side of it, as you overcome, and as God begins to heal you and I in those places where we have been bruised, where we have been wounded, there, in fact, flows a balm of Gilead out of our own lives. And we, in fact, become like that balm. We become like that ointment to flow and to touch others and to help bring comfort and healing to them. Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus said, they will be comforted. Now, you may never have thought that the mourning that you have endured in your personal life, in your married life, in your work life, in your business, in your health issues, you may not have thought that that mourning could ever be useful to anyone. But let me tell you something. There's more to it than just you or I. There are multitudes that I believe Jesus not only wants to touch, but he, in fact, one day will touch because of the inner resurrection that's taking place within us as he raises raises us up out of the dust. A lifelong pursuit, beloved, as we're walking through pain, as we're walking through uncertainty, You see, the second death has no authority over those who have driven away the lust, who have driven away the self-will, who have driven away the worldliness because they embrace the cross. Now, we know that the cross is the power of God. This is where we die to self, isn't it? This is why we don't often hear messages about the cross because the cross never has been popular. It is offensive. And when Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, people were offended by that. They didn't understand that it meant that we have to feed on the very life of Christ. We, too, must take up our cross and die to all of those things of the old man because that old man has been crucified with Christ. You know, as we look forward to a resurrection coming, beloved, we set our mind on that which is above. And so our interests and our hope are continually there. And what's happening, we see the separation then that happens in our lives because we meet other brethren and we find that many are half-hearted. We want to talk to them about the deep things of the Lord. We want to talk to them about heavenly things. We want to talk to them 
about the coming of the Lord or the mysteries of God's kingdom, when we find we can't communicate with them because the common ground that we have, yes, we may be justified by faith, and that is a good thing, and we can celebrate that. But, beloved, there indeed is a separation that takes place as, as there is a first fruit company that want nothing but to enter into union with him. They will not sin with their lips like Job. He, he would not accuse God. He would not blame God. Now, he did curse the day he was born. This man suffered. He went through it. But at the end, he was also raised. He had a perspective of the father. He had a revelation of the father that his friends and his wife did not have. He had become a friend of God because he was a partaker of the sufferings of the Lord. You know, it's not enough just to be a messenger. Friends, a messenger is not an effective messenger until they are prepared to carry that message with wisdom and compassion. And friends, I might have to say, I might have to add here, because I believe it to be true, that the ash heap will become a mercy seat. So servants of God are tried and prepared for throne room ministry. And as we have wept and as we have mourned and perhaps sat with others who have wept and have been so hurting they couldn't even talk, they could not communicate because they possibly could not tell you the pain in their heart or in their life. And they didn't want to evict any self-pity from you, so they were just silent. I know I'm speaking to some tonight. You've been silent because you are aware, as I am aware, that all of us are walking through some stuff. And some, for some of us, it's painful. Others, we are making progress, and it seems like we've caught our breath, but for some that I'm talking to tonight, perhaps you have been in that category where you feel like you're a bruised reed or you are a dimly burning wick and you're barely flickering. Let me just tell you that the Lord Jesus knows how to revive you, beloved. He knows how to breathe life back into your situation, back into your circumstance, back into your marriage, back into your health, back into that which seems to have died or is barely even existing at all. I want to just share with you that Job did experience that kingdom principle of the furnace. The same hot fire that hardens the clay also softens the heart. And it causes the gold to melt and flow in worship unto God. You see, when the heat is turned up in our lives, when there's intensity, and we all know what intensity is, right? I think I'm talking to some who are feeling that furnace of affliction in different forms, but it's hardening the clay, but it's also softening the heart, all right? And, and we make a choice, don't we? We can either harden our hearts, we don't want to do that, or we can allow the Lord to soften our hearts and allow that praise to continue to come forth, even as Job did, melting the gold, the gold, again, being a picture of purified faith and the divine compassion and the refinement of the spirit, the royalty, the spiritual power, the gold which is associated with kings and priests under God. You see, these things flow in worship under God, and these things are in silent, done in silence, aren't they? Only our Father knows about this. Even our, our spouse 
and our closest friends, our companions will not understand this. There are things that we can share with those that we are closest to, but truly only our Father knows the way that we take. And Job was brought from a place of just having mere information about God to a vital relationship with God. He moved from the hearing realm to the seeing realm. So what the Lord sees in our lives is he's seeing what we call the principle of the end of the Lord at the very end of the book of Job. The Bible tells us in Job 42 that the Lord blessed the the latter end of Job more than his beginning. James mentioned that Job had been patient. And the end of the Lord basically means that we come to the end of our own wisdom. We come to the end of our own strength. We come to a greater place of surrender. And we have a revelation of our Father and a fellowship with him that we had never known previously had we not gone through the trials that we are walking through now. And perhaps some of you can look back five months ago, five years ago, and say, wow, I see that God has strengthened me there. And I see that that which that I was allowed to walk through, that which I was allowed to suffer, in fact, God allowed me and he's allowed you to comfort other people, to encourage them and say, this is what God did for me. And he'll do the same for you. And let me be here with you to walk you through this. Let me pray for you. Let me share with you. Let me send you something in the mail. Let me meet with you for a cup of coffee. Beloved, there are many ways that we can minister just a little bit of hope over a cup of coffee. Just some encouragement and just to be a good listener. Sometimes not even saying a word, but just listen. Many people just need someone who cares enough just to listen. No preaching, no quoting a scripture, but just smiling and listening and being there for them. There's a time to be silent. There's also a time to speak. And so what we need to know about what God did for Job is God vindicated Job. And our Father will vindicate you of all of those things that you have been accused of. He will vindicate you and explain to others why you acted the way you did. You did because you loved the Lord and you knew you would be misunderstood. But you stood your ground and you blessed others who cursed you and you prayed for those who used you and gossiped about you. You see, this is the divine nature of God coming forth in you. This is proof, more proof that you are being drawn upward. It's an upward call, beloved. It's the inner resurrection of a royal priesthood, those who are gaining Christ, okay? And in your diligent, um, consistent pursuit of him, you are conquering. Did you know that? You are conquering. You are overcoming. And the Lord sees these things. He sees when you passed the smallest of tests. I don't know. Maybe somebody is dieting today. Maybe I'm talking to somebody and you're really working hard on your diet or you would like to shed some pounds and you have asked the Lord to help you and he's helping you to overcome. Now, maybe you've lost five pounds. Maybe for somebody it may not be a big deal, but for you it is. Do you know that that victory in helping to overcome in the flesh, the Lord knows about that and that's a good thing and we can rejoice in that. Whatever your small victory may look like, Perhaps some of you have struggled with different kinds of addictions. 
and you are, are taking uh, one step at a time, and you're overcoming, and you're trusting Christ to help you get through it. You see, you're purging yourself, right? Because we're wanting to purge ourselves of any filthiness of the flesh, right? Anything that would defile us because we don't want our garments to be soiled, right? These things of the flesh that um, try to uh, attract to us and stay on us. Again, the Bible tells us that the bride makes herself ready and she has made her gown spotless because she's been cooperating with the Spirit of God. So friends, while we can't change ourselves, we can certainly cooperate with the Spirit of God who does change us from the inside out. So know that your victory is being celebrated by your Savior because Jesus continues to intercede for you and I day and night according to the will of the Father. And friends, you will come to full stature. I'm here to tell you, we all start as babes in Christ, don't we? We take baby steps. First we crawl. Then we learn to walk. Then we learn to run. Then we learn to mount up, right? And so Christ begins to form his very own nature in you and I as we are driving in traffic, sitting on the freeway, as people pull out in front of us, as they run red lights and almost smack into us, as they are inconsiderate as they drive, you and I can take the higher road. We can be kind to them and be patient. We can let them go ahead and not be angry. We can bless them even if they curse you. You see, something happens on the inside of us. Every time we tell the flesh and say, no, you are not going to respond in anger. No, you are not going to retaliate. No, you don't have that right because you've died to Christ. I mean, we have to talk to ourselves sometimes. At least I have to do that. (laughs) Maybe some of you are the same. But, you know, beloved, we are ascending in degrees. Okay, that's another message for another time. But we are ascending in degrees. The image of Christ is being formed in us for those who have been born from above, those who have placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are walking in the light that they have, those that are seeking to stay focused on the kingdom, on that which is above and not that which is beneath. And boy, I'm telling you, that is a challenge, isn't it? Because we live in a world that is beneath. We are living in a place of such moral decay. We're living in such a place where we're seeing the fallen realms and the darkness getting even darker. But in the midst of that, God has a people that he trusts because of the spirit of God within them. In the midst of the darkness, beloved, and the things that you and I walk through with life, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with coworkers, You see, you have the ability, in fact, you are, you probably don't even know it, you are feeding and nourishing people just by your presence where they are. As you take a trip, as you stand in line at Walmart, as you go about your day driving children, running errands, and you come into contact with people, and you can pray for them. Sometimes we can't talk to them, but we can pray for them and know that God has heard our prayers. Beloved, you need to know you are making a difference. You need to know that you are a part of a glorious company of sons and daughters who's, who are going to be made visible to all creation one day. You need to know, and we need to remind ourselves. I need to remind myself. Jesus said in Revelation 2.27, he that overcomes 
who attains to the first resurrection will rule the nations with a rod of iron. They will rule the nations with a rod of iron because right now they're ruling over their own spirit and they're ruling over their own soul. They're ruling over their body. They're learning to take authority and say, no, we're going to walk in the spirit. We're going to walk in love. We're going to forgive. I'm not going to whine and complain, even though I feel like whining and complaining. Forgive me, Father, for whining and complaining because it's hard. Of course it's hard, beloved. Jesus said it will be hard. But let me just say something. There is a thousand-year kingdom age that is coming that will help to perfect the less mature of God's elect, who the Song of Solomon's calls the little sister who is not yet developed or ready for marriage. Beloved, there's a day of resurrection coming where we will be raised from the dead when Jesus appears, and those who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air and will gain a glorified body, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Beloved, there will be a quickening of our mortal body. And as you grow weary and fatigued, sometimes as I do, I think sometimes one of the greatest challenges I have is overcoming the fatigue of just feeling battle weary. I know that some of you know what I'm talking about, but according to Romans 8:11, I believe that not only will God quicken our mortal bodies, but he can do it even now by the power of his spirit because of this indwelling spirit within us the very spirit that raised jesus from the dead can and shall quicken you in the mighty name of jesus for beloved according to first corinthians 15 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump the dead are going to be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed This corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal is going to put on immortality. And the nations of the world will behold the glory of God in you and in his overcoming sons, beloved. And it will be a time where God's overcoming saints will um, be called together with the Lord Jesus, and he will place them on thrones of authority. There will be a making visible to the physical realm of everything that has been active and worked within you and me. Every trial, every test, every pain where we have overcome by faith and though we couldn't see to the end of our trial, though we didn't know what tomorrow would hold, though we don't know how we're going to deal with a body that is failing and becoming sick, or we don't know how those bills are going to be paid, or we don't know how this marriage is going to be kept intact. We know one thing, that we have become a companion of the king himself, beloved. When we suffer according to the will of the Father, and the scripture tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us from them all. Beloved, that we know as we've read of how Jesus was transformed and the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John saw him. And our Father, who walks with us, is reminding us and saying, all right, now, this is what you are going to be like one day. Today I may be allowing you to be humbled. Today I may be testing you. Today, I am helping you to rearrange your priorities. Today, yes, as a loving father, I am disciplining you. Yes, today, 
I must allow these things for future blessings, beloved, that you can't even see, neither can you comprehend or know, but know that the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is going to quicken you, strengthen you, and beloved, that upward call is pulling you upward. You will be found in his image. You will be in full union with him one day. You will take along with Jesus dominion over all of his creation in the mighty name of Jesus. Beloved, he's going to bless your latter end even more than your former. The day is coming. Hallelujah. Anyone who has tried to exact punishment upon you in return for wrong, someone who wants to seek to take vengeance upon you or to punish you because you, in fact, wounded them. Perhaps you've brought pain into the life of somebody and they haven't forgiven you. Let me just tell you something. As you begin to pray for them and that person that may hold animosity in their heart toward you or they are angry at you or jealous of you or they look at your life and they think, why can't I have what you have? or they're angry with you or with God for whatever reason, please understand, beloved, that as we pray for one another and ask the Father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do, but I forgive them. Know that according to the word of God, that there are souls that have been slain, beloved, right now that are crying out. According to Revelation 6, there are those that have been slain. They're crying out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? Do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Friends, he's going to make it right one day. He is just, he is holy, he is righteous, and he's bringing all of us to that place that we will be accounted worthy. And as we embrace that cross, as we die to these trials and endure these sufferings, as we endure, as we go places we'd rather not go, as we do things that we would really, frankly, rather not do because we don't feel appreciated, or really, God, do you even notice? Do the people who I share these things with and do these things for, do they even care? Do they even notice? Am I even making a difference? Let me tell you something, beloved, because I just heard him. He said, I see everything. I count every tear. I've heard every prayer. I see the service of my faithful sons and daughters, and they shall be rewarded. Beloved, you must know that he sees it all, and he loves you. He has made a choice to love you, and he reminds us today, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, for on such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. 1,000 years. Beloved, we are living in a time now because we are seeing the full expression of sin being revealed. Bad men are going from bad to worse, but the righteous are still righteous and the holy are still holy. Remember that God is sovereign in his dealings with men and we see our brothers and sisters and we observe what they're going through, let's be so careful that we do not sit 
as a friend, as a miserable comforter as Job has, saying this is happening to you because this is how I perceive it. Let us not be found guilty of that, beloved, but let us judge ourselves and commit judgment into the hands of the one who is wonderful and fair and mighty. And to this I end and I say, beloved, hang in there. Hold on, Job. Your change is coming. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Praise God. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful message and so much in alignment with, um, you know, my life and I'm sure a lot of other listeners as well, uh, because I hear, you know, their testimonies and also uh, the trials and tribulations that they're going through as well, you know, in in their walk. Very different problems, uh, but nevertheless, uh, equally as impactful on their lives and um, it, it, as you know, Terry, because of the things you've gone through, of course, um, uh, you know, you come to these places where things just, you know, are so overwhelming and, and un, un, intolerable and you just, you dread waking up the next day, just knowing that you're going to have to face, uh, you know, that same stuff over and over again and praying fervently that God is going to, you know, make a change, uh, adjust your life dynamics, you know, whatever the case is, you know, to get you to wherever that next place is that he's going to bring you to. And we know there is going to be that next place. We just don't know how long it's going to take. And um, and that next place may be eternity. So, um, you know, we don't we, we just don't know. And we just got to have, you know, the, the patience of Job and um, and try to, you know, I just loved it when you said uh, you used every perfect example. I mean, really, uh, you know, of, you know, when you even mentioned there, you know, times that we go, you know, that some of us may go through where, you know, we're just so fed up and we're just going through such a bad moment in our walk that, you know, we may do something that is we know is an act of disobedience to the Lord, um, but we're so self absorbed in our own self-pity at that moment in time or whatever that we don't really even take that into consideration it doesn't really hit us until the next day and then we have that godly sorrow or like oh lord i can't believe i went you know i I did it again you know and so um what what a well-rounded message uh thank you so much for joining us tonight i think it touched um virtually every one of us to some degree or another because i think we're all going you know different places different journeys different dynamics but we're all going through it to some extent right now and um and learning how to cope with it deal with it and to actually overcome it uh in 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 a way that uh it, it no longer tears us down and makes us go into that state of self-pity or giving up or feeling like giving up, you know, when we can get to that, that place where we truly do overcome it and it doesn't tear us apart and just destroy us, uh, making us dread every breath we take, uh, then, then I think we've, we've come to a new place where we can really start touching other people's lives. And that's when it really counts. Thank you so much, Terry, for joining us tonight. What a powerful message. God bless you. God bless you, John. Thanks again. Oh, amen. Praise Jesus. And, uh, let me see tonight's Sunday, April the 17th. We can't believe we're still here in 2022, but we are. And um, uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. Um, Lord willing, God bless you. Seven o'clock. Bye-bye. Thank you, Terry. Thank you.
Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.